Look what I got. Ooh, this thing is, I use this thermos. every day. This thing, like I'll put coffee in here and I will never finish it. But even at like midnight, if I'm like, oh, I want to stay up and work a little bit, I'll go to my car and get this and the coffee will still be steaming mm-hmm. hot. And I load it mm-hmm. at about eight o'clock every day. It's amazing. That's my thermos conversation for today. What do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> the end. <laughs> I don't want to say the brand because people are going to think we're planting it. We're not. Yeah. But hey, you can it's, see it. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Just imagine a thermos that's really expensive, <laughs> and it will be the one brand that you think of. Isn't <laughs> thermos yeah. a brand? Thermos is a brand, but I think they might have uh, lost their name to the uh, definition market. Yeah, that happens. Mm. What's that called? What's the name of that when that happens? Your brand, your branding becomes the thing. I clean out. There's a name for that. Uh, let me see if I can find it. <laughs> Band aid. Because it's like mm-hmm. uh, like skill saw or yeah. uh, sawzall. It's another thing that happens. I just can't wait till a duresta is something. I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> I pulled a duresta this weekend. Few things. <laughs> I'm in the doghouse. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, while I look this up, because I'm now I want to figure out what it's called. What have you guys been up to? Uh, I just uh, I just got back from California. I was in California for the last uh, three days with uh, Kevin Lazat. Came with me as my my travel companion. Um, Kevin does not have a YouTube channel, but he has a great Instagram. He's a machinist, and he he, he and I actually the very first time I met Jocko, I met Kevin in my shop in New York. They both came to visit me, and they became good friends, and then all three of us became good friends, and. Uh, over the years, Kevin has come to teach me how to use the milling machine and the lathe properly because he's properly trained through the apprenticeship program that hardly exists anymore. So as a young man, he really knows how to use all these machines properly. And so we went to a machinist event. I knew he would enjoy it, and he made some good connections. We went to what's called the Bar Z Bash. It takes place in Rancho Cucamonga at Stan Zaborski's house, and he holds it every year. And Wow. It was, that, was a, that was a bunch of really interesting words. <clears throat> I know. It's great, right? <laughs> and it's like 300 machinists get together, mostly YouTubers and content creators. And there aren't any like runaway giant machinist channels. So all the guys are kind of like, you know, they're, they're kind of a little obscure outside of their community. But uh, I'm really, I had a really great time meeting the guys and, and, and just learn, like just hanging around with machinists. You just chit chat and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, is that how you read a vernier scale? Oh, oh, really? I have no idea. So that's just like chit-chat conversation with these guys. And so that was a, a two-day event. We went and visited a granite quarry. Well, actually, the quarry is one location which we didn't visit, but we visited what they do with the quarried rocks. They process them. They cut them with diamond band saws and wet saws. You get like 10,000-pound rocks, and these guys are slicing. And they take that granite, and they make it flat to within like a millionth of an inch and like like the way kevin put it he's like take a human hair and cut it into tenths <laughs> or hundredths and like that's how close it has to be and as a matter of interest we went from where they process the rocks to where they absolutely make them flat and now they're no longer rocks they're called surface plates there was a surface plate which if you guys followed my instagram story was 20 by 15 feet by almost two feet thick it was a hundred thousand pound piece of granite flat good grief it, it will be flat it, when you looked at it you're like what's wrong with it? it looks perfectly flat but the guys were putting chalk marks all over it where it was out you know a tenth that's a tenth of a thousand so whatever that you know that's when you when you hear a machine say a tenth that's one tenth of one thousand so 
And, and, and they're probably dealing in microns and millions of an inch. So they have these indicators all over it. And the guy's on the hands and knees walking around it. And they have lapping plates to flatten. Because you can't add. So you always have to just keep going lower and lower and lower until it's all flat. And that's one of three surface plates that are, that are going to go to NASA. And they're, they're going to put a satellite on it. And they need to make sure that wherever they measure off of the surface plate, it's all dead flat up to So they have like <laughs> absolute zero. Yeah. Wow. So the three of them are all going to get placed together, and then the three together will, will by far be the largest surface plate ever created. That huh. that will be flat within you know a millionth of an inch. That's crazy. So just listening to those guys and the techniques, and the guys that are doing the final lapping on various stones and pieces that are going to chemistry labs around the world, they're in a temperature-controlled room. Because the heat and temperature, the hot and cold, will affect the 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 flexibility of the stone. You know, to within millions of an inch that you can't tell. It's pretty amazing. And uh, we went to go visit Ben and Jesse. So uh, we drove about 80 miles from where we were. It's funny, Kevin goes, isn't Ben and Jesse nearby? I was like, are they? So we opened the map up. I'm like, oh, awesome. And I said to Ben, I go, hey, you up for a visit? He goes, come anytime. So we went on the <laughs> tour of the granite and we stole some granite. And when we hopped in the car, we drove out to see them late. So we only spent a couple hours with them because we had to be back in the morning for Saturday morning. But we brought some granite out to them. So. Hopefully, Ben will be able to use it in some projects. There's a garbage bin. Sweet. And the garbage bin is loaded with granite, like slabs like the size of a table. They're like, yeah, that one's got a crack in it. And they're like, yeah, just take it. We just take it to the landfill. Amazing. Wow. So we grabbed chunks that we could carry. I mean, you know, there was a few two-man chunks, but it wasn't it wasn't worth grabbing them. Hmm. Hmm. But it was a great great visit, really good time. And, uh, you know, when you hang out with guys that, that constantly teach on YouTube, it's you just they're just constantly teaching each other. And, it was just a really good time, and and I was really uh, honored that they kind of welcomed me in. They invited me to come, and I, I thought I was going to be the one person that knew nothing as far as machinists go. But I met a lot of other guys that are there as hobbyists as well. So it was really great to to kind of be in the in the learning side of things with with everybody. So that's it. Nice, awesome. Good, good so I stuff. kind of found an answer. Real quick to my yeah. what I said, but it's not really what I was looking for. It's called a proprietary eponym. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't know, know that. No, it's right on the tip of your tongue. What are some examples? Um, and then so well, this is not interesting at all. So I'm not really sure why I'm saying it, but an eponym is someone or something whose name is thought to be the source of another name. So like uh Einstein is the eponym for Einsteinium. You know, he's the source. He's the thing is named after him. And then a proprietary one is the other direction where Band-Aid, aspirin, things like that. It used to be trademarked, become the default, you know, uh, common noun for something rather than a proper noun. Hmm. There. Hmm. There's your English lesson for today that wasn't interesting. I'm going to ask the audience. This is I'm going to be a a self-indulgent. I'm going to ask the audience, what would a duresta be if something had to be named a duresta? Hashtag, what is a duresta? So is it is it a noun or a verb? I don't know. Let the, let the audience decide. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is a noun versus a verb? Go. Define. I graduated with a well, 65 Okay, so a noun is average. a person, place, or thing. Verb is an action. Right. Yeah. You just got photobomb, Bob. <laughs> Do what? You just got photobomb. Jenny just photobombed. Photo oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, David, what are you up to? I don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know awesome. if I'm going to work on a project this week because uh, we're still working on other things around around the house. I did put out a video for the first time in two weeks this past week, and that was at uh, the pencil holder. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that one. The uh, the hinge is the gaffer tape, which we talked about oh, on the yeah. show, and it worked out mm-hmm. amazing. Like it's it's a really really good hinge, and it's sandwiched between two pieces of veneer. And so I got a lot of comments of, of people saying it was cool to hear that idea come from the show and then see it executed. So thank you for that. Awesome. And, awesome. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know what else really is going on. I mean, I don't have a plan for a project this week. I got a couple projects that are in the works, but I kind of want to not release them until the new website comes out because there's plans involved with them. So... We might be just just working on back end stuff this time. I'm bringing all my um. I think Bob, you work with Jupe Mode, the the screen printer, but I'm bringing all my uh, merchandise back in house instead of having them ship it for me. Uh, oh, really? That way, I can bundle things together. It's a little bit more work for me, but I can bundle like uh, I can do a plan with a T-shirt, and you get a discount or whatever instead of sending mm. somebody to another website. So I'm working on some some businessy type stuff yeah interesting yeah yeah i mean i i've you know had mixed emotions about doing all that stuff internally like having it all here but in the end it ends up kind of always working out for the best like we can offer more i can change up products quicker Mm -hmm. and offer new things and test things out yeah i saw youtube launched a new merchandising thing with teespring and so i mm -hmm. think um a lot of people are probably going to go that route but i'm not i don't know if you guys have ever worked with teespring but they're more like a quick print type printer yeah i don't know i'm assuming it's a thermal print and not a screen print so the quality is not going to be as good as a screen printed t-shirt i did i did a limited run t-shirt with them and a lot of people bought those uh and i haven't heard any complaints about the shirts but the one that i got like they sent me a sample of it i didn't like it as much as having the screen printed Mm multicolor thing and honestly like i can keep the cost down by getting them printed myself you know warehousing them internally and then shipping them out i can keep the cost of the the shirt overall down Mm -hmm. and so it's better for the consumer better for the person buying the shirt because it's cheaper and i still get basically the same profit out of it Mm. so like and it's a better shirt like it just i don't know yeah didn't make any sense to do that for me i thought bringing all that stuff back in in house i can actually um keep costs down possibly make even more money if i just pay my assistant to come like one more day a week work for a couple hours and just handle all my shipping and then instead of having somebody else take a chunk of that and ship it for me so yeah true the fun thing about running your own business is you get to try different things and if it doesn't work you can go back to what was working yeah yeah i always try different stuff Cool. Um, well, what have I been working on? Let's see. Uh, man, I'm, I've got so many different projects going right now. I'm actually having a hard time remembering what's finished, what's like being edited right now, and what's coming up. We have two projects completely shot. One should be finished editing today. Another one will go right into editing. And then we have two or three that are in production, but they're kind of like bigger longer term things so they're kind of overlapping and last week it was 
I worked on a bunch of different stuff at the same time, like one day on this thing, and then I'd switch gears the next day. And it's cool because I'm, I feel like I'm getting a lot done, but also I feel like I'm not finishing anything, you know, because mm-hmm. like this giant uh, renovation thing that I'm doing is like, it's just a big project. And so until I actually get it done, it feels like I'm not being, you know, not completing something. So anyway, got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and a lot of things I'm trying to get done in the next couple of weeks because we have some guests coming and it's pretty awesome. Like for uh, July 4th, we've got three separate families, friends of ours from Savannah that are all coming to visit at the same time. And so we're going to have a lot of people in the house, uh, you know, a lot of people that we haven't seen in a while and get to hang out. A lot of kids running around. So 4th of July, it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. And but your birthday is July 5th, that, like, right? 4th. Your yeah. birthday is July 4th. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the fifth. I'm sorry. No. Nope. Um, and so, like, you know, having all those people here, it, we also like, well, okay, we have these things in the house we still haven't done yet. And this is a great excuse to, you know, finish up this thing and tidy up this and finish painting that. And so we're just kind of jamming on a lot of stuff. And then, of course, <clears> the summertime. So we're trying to be outside and, you know, spend time with the kids and go places. So summer's busier than I expected it to be. <laughs> but I guess in a good way. Um, but as far as like what I'm working on, uh, the video that's coming out this week is interesting uh, in that it's not, I don't know how to say it. It's not that interesting of a project, but it was interesting to do. So it's a sponsored video with this uh, college called Brightwood College. And it's basically like, um, you know, a college that has a, a bunch of technician programs, they have paralegal, things like that. It's not a university. It's a, a college with, um, I th- they have a couple of degree programs, but they have a lot of certificate programs, basically. And so I built a Plinko board, which is a project that a lot of people have done. You know, it's not, it's not difficult, but I did that here and I made a wooden board. We 3D printed some pucks and, and that actually turned out to be there was a little bit more to it than I thought there was going to be and then we took it down for a day went to Nashville went to this college and I worked with some of the electrical technician students for them to learn how to put in some electronics to it to make things light up when it when the puck hits certain spots and things like that the thing that was interesting about it was I had had a Plinko board on my list for a long time and in my list it said like with some special Arduino thing you know where I could like hook up some electronics and make it do something interesting. Well, they don't they don't learn any of that stuff in this technician program. So they did functionally the same thing that I was going to do, but they did it without a microcontroller. It's just straight analog circuitry, you know. Um, and it's not complicated, but it was really interesting to be put into a position to, like, get the same result out of something, doing it in an entirely different way with a group of people that I didn't know mm. that were still learning and still kind of getting through it, looking to me and the teacher for direction. So it was an interesting experience. I'm not sure how the video is going to (laughs) be. Like, I don't know if it'll be an interesting, if that will translate to the video, but it was kind of cool to be in a different environment and have to step out of my comfort zone and do something in a different way, in a, in a, in a more direct, a little more concrete way than like writing code that's, you know, because like one of the things about writing code in electronics and doing microcontroller stuff is there's still a mystery to it. So like I could show you guys 
this is what this thing does. And I could explain the code from like a functional standpoint, like this line makes this happen. This line makes this happen. But there's still some magic <laughs> in between those two things, right? Mm -hmm. There's still magic between writing text and then something physical happening. And um, that's that's like been a hard thing for me to figure out how to put into videos and get to dismiss the magic so that people can learn writing code is not really that hard and it can cause physical things to happen. But that's hard for me to put into a video. So it, it was interesting being put in a position to like functionally get the same thing done without the code and uh, just seeing how these students reacted to, you know, getting some switches to turn on lights and stuff, which was kind of new to them. So anyway, hmm. all that to say, it was interesting. I'm not really sure how the video is going to be, but that'll be out this week. Um, and then we have been working on, like I said, several other things that are kind of stacking up for the next few weeks. Next Friday, I'm going to Boise, Idaho, and I'm speaking at the um, Craft and Commerce, uh, what's it called? Com it's like a show, like a conference. Conference, conference that's the word. <laughs> that's the big one you've been talking about a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because it's like a 20-minute talk, and I'm going to be gone from like a Friday morning really early to a Monday night really late for a 20-minute talk. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels a little bit like, hmm, maybe I should have thought through this a little bit more because I'm losing two days of work basically to go talk um, for 20 minutes. But I have the talk figured out, and we talked about it last week yeah. on the after show, uh, like what the idea was and everything. But I have I have the concept, but I don't really have, I haven't had time to practice it. And I feel like I should practice it because it's it's like a big fancy stage in front of a big group of people and I want to you know I don't want to stumble over my words and like I don't know anyway, you should, so uh, that you should do, go through, run through it once and film yourself of course yeah and then watch yourself yeah. yeah yeah I need to do that um, so I got to find time this week to do that before I go what but anyway I'll be out there if, if anybody's going to be there I would I don't know if anybody listens to this and is going to be at that conference but if so let me know because I would love to meet you I was going to say, uh, whenever I have to do that, the anxiety level is like off the charts. I just try and ignore it best I can. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you get there, you just give it all. Give it, give it all you can and do the best you can. And visuals help a lot. If you're going to do a, mm. you're going to do a, uh, a slideshow. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try to do a couple of photos as illustration points, but I don't want to do a bunch of text. I don't want to like, I don't want to make a big deck, you know? Uh, well, I'm going to say if you did do a good, if you did do a good deck, a big deck, try and make at least a slide for every concept you want. You could just pop through them quickly. You don't necessarily need to hang on them, but it reminds you mm -hmm. where you are and it gives you something to talk about if you have to stretch. So, uh, you know, you, if you're just going to say a phrase and it's going to be written behind you and you just pop right through it, you don't need to hang on it. But if you do need to stretch and you do find yourself a little stumbled and you can kind of go backwards and forwards in the screen, and the, and the audience mm. is always very forgiving, of course, they want to see you succeed. But just for my own head, I always make sure if I have to do a 30-minute talk, I have at least 30 minutes of fodder on that deck so that I could roll through it. And that comes from one time when I'm like, I got enough. And I was like, I was already done with the deck. And I was like a third of the way through my. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I was like, uh, oh, I don't need this anymore. And I like, put the controller down. <laughs> and then I was up there trying to <laughs> One stretch. of the things that I'm kind of interested about this is like most of the speaking that I've done has been to maker types, right? It's yeah. to people into the same stuff that we're into. 
And so it's this really comfortable kind of, you know, I can talk about a, a thing that I do on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. And they have like some concept of what it is. I have no clue what this crowd is. They're there because they use the same email marketing <laughs> company that I use. <laughs> so there's not a lot of crossover that I'm aware of, you know, and I don't know if these, that, that doesn't really matter to the talk. The talk is intentionally general and about a person and their motivations and their skill sets. It's not about like making things or whatever, but it's still going to be kind of weird because I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't walk in with a kinship with the audience like I would going to Maker Fair. You know, you go to Maker Fair and you can talk about any of the stuff that we do. And there's like commonality. Um, There's a comfort level there. So I'm not nervous about that or anything, but I don't really know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know how they're going to receive it. I don't know what they're expecting to hear. I got the feeling from talking to the people that are running this thing that my talk is kind of like, opposite of everybody else's (laughs) which is good and bad maybe uh it's good that maybe i'll stand out maybe i'll have something to say that nobody else is saying it's bad in that it may not hit with these people i don't know so anyway that's going to be interesting and i'll report report back next week actually you know next week we're going to have to push recording because i will be on a plane during that Mm. we can talk about that after (laughs) but anyway that's a thing um anyway so today we were talking about asking each other questions. Yeah. I really like doing this where we come up with a couple of questions for each other and we don't tell each other ahead of time and we get put on the spot and answer some stuff. Yeah. So I have two for David, one for Jimmy, and I'm hoping the other one for Jimmy will show up during the conversation. Um, anybody want to go first? I'll go first. Go for it. I, uh, I came up with my questions this morning on, uh, on, my, on my bike ride. And actually, I forget things very quick, so I would have to stop and then type them on my phone so I would not forget them. Uh, all right. So my first question is going to be for Bob. With digital fabrication becoming more affordable and the advancement of single board computers like an Adreno uh, or Raspberry Pi, what about the future excites you the most for your business? For my business? Because yes. that's a big caveat. Yeah. Um, hmm. You can expand that. It could be what about the future excites you the most? With digital right. fabrication and single board computers, um, I think reach is pretty exciting, and by that I mean that like, so the I don't know if anybody knows anything about Raspberry Pi, but it's a nonprofit. This is not a for-profit company, and that is a huge deal that I think gets overlooked a whole lot. Like that company is about creating an inexpensive computer that's open source, that's accessible, that's that they can get that's cheap enough that they can put it into the hands of everybody who can make it useful. That's kind of, I don't know exactly what their, their like mission statement or anything is, but I get that their purpose is to make the most usable, inexpensive thing that they can and put it everywhere that they can so that people have access. And a machine like that, it's about 35 bucks for like the top of the line version. And they go all the way down to like five bucks. You know, that, can potentially be a full a full computer running word processing, running office documents, internet browsing. I mean, it's a computer, size of a credit card. And at that scale and at that cost, like physical scale and at that cost, you can put those in every developing country in the world for very little money, which takes access to places that 
you know, like a tower or a laptop just is not feasible to get those things to that place. And so from like a computing standpoint, you're bringing a lot of opportunity to places that otherwise it's just not realistic to get computers in there. Um, these things are are low in, low power enough that you could run them off of a generator or off of a battery for like a decent amount of time. So that takes them into a, another place, right? That takes them even further out of our first world into places that otherwise wouldn't have computing at all. Now, what people do with that, I don't know. I mean, that maybe that's exciting to them to have that opportunity. Maybe it's not. But um, I just think it's amazing that the computers have now, that, that type of single board computer has now gotten to a point to where you can get it all these different places. Whereas 15 years ago, maybe, that was totally not realistic. Or maybe longer than that. But, you know, it, there's been a big shift. And so that's really exciting. That doesn't apply to my business so much, except that the more I do things with those boards, the more people who are on the fringe, the more people who are in low income places that get to watch what I do, they go, oh, I saw that. I saw that at school and I have access to that thing that he's using. That's cool. That means I could do that too. They may not have a wood shop. They may not have metal working tools. They may not have a 3D printer. But if they see that like the librarian at my school has a Raspberry Pi and they don't know what to do with it, but I saw Bob or I saw somebody else do something with it, that means I could do it too. And that's exciting, you know? So if having those things in all those places gives me the opportunity to have impact in those places as well, awesome. Mm. That excites me. Mm. Is that a good answer? Yeah, it was better than I could have hoped for. It was very good. <laughs> and I, Bob, can I ask you uh, just to explain to me and uh, the lay sure. person, what is the difference between an Arduino and a Raspberry Pi? Is there a difference? There is a difference. And I'm going to make a video about that, but I will tell you about <laughs> it now as well. Um, it's going to be a bits video because I think that's something a lot of people don't really get. So the Raspberry Pi is, <clears throat> sorry, I haven't had enough coffee and my throat's closing up or something. Um, the Raspberry Pi is a single board computer. Like you said, it's about the size of a credit card, about that form factor. And it is a full the same, not the same, but functionally the same as your MacBook, as your Windows machine. In fact, you can run Windows on a Raspberry Pi. It has a processor. It has a graphics chip. It has memory. It has you know, a microphone input. It has a, an HDMI port for an output for, for a monitor. It's got a speaker output. It's got a power plug. It's got all the stuff that a computer would have jam-packed down onto this tiny little board. So... It is a computer that generally runs Linux as an operating system, which means open source operating system, fully functional internet browser. These boards usually have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on them as well. So it really is a computer in a small package. And Arduino is uh, a microcontroller, which means it is a, a tiny little integrated, integrated circuit chip. Like, you know, you've seen the little black chips with little spider legs coming out of them. Yep. You've seen that thing. That's an integrated circuit. So it's basically that with a set of instructions on it that happen like that. Those instructions happen over and over and over in a loop. And so in those instructions, you can put, you can write code that says, if this is the case, then do this thing. If this is the case, then do this. And so you can put in some logic there, but all of that, code, all of those instructions happen over and over and over in a loop. And that's the big thing to think about the two things differently. Hmm. Um, so if you have, if you want to have a light sensor, 
that is constantly looking to see if there's light or not. And if there is, then you want to turn on and off a siren, or something, I don't know, as an example. That's something that you want to loop, right? So you want to run this loop and always look for light. And if you find light, then you do the thing. So that's where you would use an Arduino. You could do that same thing with a Raspberry Pi, but you could also do a lot more with a Raspberry mm-hmm. Pi. So, so one's more. Oh, what did you was hear that? that? Is that thunder? That was that was thunder and lightning. What? There's a big storm coming over. So if loud. I lose internet, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you say like uh, so just to clarify, uh, uh, an Arduino is more of a dedicated task. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's still very general. You can still do a lot of stuff right. with it, but you do. Yeah, you create the code to be very specific. There it is again. Whereas uh, the Raspberry Pi is a computer that you can run all sorts of different stuff on. You can run a piece of code like that, but then you could also quit that and run a browser, and you can quit that, and you can run word processor, hmm. that type of thing. Do you think uh, my wife, Kelly, who's a speech pathologist, do you think she can help me say Arduino better? Because I, I trip over that word <laughs> all the time. It's such a hard word for me to say. You'll have to ask her. But it's Italian, so you can just blame it on the fact that it's not English. And like, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, all right. So I got one for Jimmy. I'm going to use my, my single one for Jimmy here. <clears throat> You've been working on the building. The yeah, building, it's... your shop has been, how many years now? It's been like kind of the plan, the rolling idea that turned uh, into. I bought, I bought my property in 2004. And okay. the building uh, was the very first thought I had. So when I bought this house, one of the justifications for buying it was, I'm going to build my, my dream workshop on the property. And so 2004 mm. was the first time I had the idea. As soon as I began paying my mortgage, I started to realize I was chasing my tail. I was basically living check to check for years and years and years. And living in Manhattan half the time and up here, you know, 10% of the time, it just was expensive. So it was all I had to just pay the mortgage and just keep all the bills paid. And I did. And I never defaulted anywhere. Always keeping an eye on the bigger goal that one day I'll be able to figure out an income level where I could get these things done. Because once I jumped into it, I realized I can put a $40,000 metal building up that will be sufficient, but you know, not sexy looking. And, and I could put it in the cleared part of the property, which would be kind of right in the beautiful view. Or I could put it in the, the woods, which is going to be super expensive to knock down trees and build a road. So there was millions of variables. You know, I say millions, but unconsciously millions of variables that day to day I would have to kind of contend with. Don't want to do this. Don't want to do that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Everything's expensive. That's expensive. That's expensive. So, yeah. And now finally, with my uh, with all my YouTube ad sense income, I could. <laughs> uh, I want yeah, to get right. it done before they change the algorithm again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's that's not the question, yeah. but that was that's history there. Yeah. Okay. So you've been working on this for fourteen years in some capacity. It's been yeah. an idea. Yeah. It's now happening There's, physically. The know, last year. Yet. Yeah. Okay. What's next? When the building is done, when it is paid for, when it is constructed, mm-hmm. your tools are moved in. You've got both shops set up. You have everything in place. You've got the second story put in, so you can have a clean room. That's there. You stand back and you look at it, and you're like, ah. It's done. What's next? Well, what's what's slowly like? What's the next milestone? <clears throat> that's uh, that's great. What's what's slowly happening is the room we did the event, the woodworking event uh, last month, it, and it it went 
amazingly well. It, it couldn't have gone any better. Uh, you know, hugs and self-actualization and all this really great, 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 you know, really heartwarming stuff had taken place and more than I expected. And we weren't going to use the building, but the building basically became the, uh, it became like a character in the weekend. And the fact that this building has taken on such a, a characterization and they call it the Maker Church, uh, Kyle came up with that name. Um, it's, it's, it's an honor to be the person that has this place and the one to share it. And I really enjoy sharing it. And so the idea is to do more classes more often. And I even said to Taylor, I said, I see a, a thing where like, this is like what we mainly focus on at one point, perhaps is just dedicated classes and maybe a, you know, maybe a 10 week schedule of, per year. Cause there's a lot, a lot of prep. So I'd see maybe eight or 10 classes, you know, between spring and fall. And maybe while the class is really heated, we could maybe do something in the winter, maybe do a welding class or something. But I want to keep the room flexible. I, I want to be able to ramp up to do one thing or another. So it's kind of turning out to be like a maker event space. I even see an open house eventually um, and just having everybody on the property. I, I really do want to, I really like the idea of sharing it with the community as, as much as possible. I mean, I know I couldn't let everybody that, you know, as a fan to be able to come and see. And if I did do an open house, I'd have to keep it limited only because there's not parking and there's not enough physical space and toilets and stuff. But, uh, you know, I would hit those hurdles and deal with them as, as they come up. But I really do want to share the place with people. And, and it's so exciting when a fan that watches me and all of us comes and visits the space. I mentioned last week, uh, uh, a guy pulled up and he wanted to just take a picture in front of the sign and he saw I was there and I showed him around and he was just so excited and his wife was staring at me and him like what the hell's wrong with you two <laughs> <laughs> and I said I, go, I, I, I always make this joke it's my brother's joke I'm sorry I exist I looked at her and I said I'm sorry I exist and she laughed she goes it's okay because <laughs> yeah. the husband's like <laughs> a right. big like a big child like excitement with excitement it was great. So that that and, you know, the excitement that this weekend uh, that I felt this weekend and seeing all these guys come together. And it's it's such a it's such a heartwarming community that we've developed here. And, you know, whether it's our group of friends, you know, me just r driving out to the desert and hanging out with Jesse and Ben for a couple of hours and just sharing ideas and exchanging concepts. And, you know, it's it's all it's it's so cliche, but it's also feel good. And this building has really created a lot of that. You know, it's, it's cemented a friendship with uh, me and Kyle, which I remember calling him for the very first time. He wasn't very, he's extremely warm and welcoming. But the first time I called him, I was like, oh, I'm bothering this guy. Because he's like, yeah, what do you want? I'm like, uh. But, you know, he, he just might be, it was just a moment because he's not like that at all. He, he was probably on top of a building when you called. <laughs> like, yeah, what do you want? I'm kind of busy right now. <laughs> Hanging from a safety strap. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and the first conversation we had was like a little, it was like a little like, you know, we were both a little nervous. We didn't really know what the other wanted. And uh, then I didn't call him for a year when I really made the decision to actually do the building in the style that we did. And then I called him a year later. I'm like, hey, remember me? I'm sorry to bother you again, but can you make a building for me? And that that conversation went much <laughs> more smoothly. Maybe he never noticed, but I was a little nervous to bother him. I have this thing where like if I can't do it myself and I have to call in help, I, I'm so, I, I totally don't want to bother anybody. Like, I do not want to put anybody out. Like, it's, it reminds me of that, that Curb Your Enthusiasm when he goes, how's mom? He goes, oh, mom's dead. 
He's like, what? A mom died. He goes, why didn't you call me? He goes, I don't want to bother you. I know you're busy. (laughs) He's like, you didn't call. Mom is dead and you didn't call. He's like, yeah, she's in the ground. Don't worry. It's all over. (laughs) You're busy. You got a lot going on. I don't want to bother you. (laughs) So that's an extreme example. But I hate bothering people. Like Kurt's out there digging a giant trench for the wire right now. He's my local excavator. Every time I call him, I'm like, Kurt, I'm really sorry. Can you move my containers for me because I can't do it myself. You know, I'm out there with a bottle jack trying to move a 10,000 pound steel box. And so I got to call it. And he comes with this giant excavator, like the biggest excavator you see that like builds roads is in my backyard right now. They had a trailer here. So the whole time I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to go get that thing out of its parking spot. He's like, that's what we do. Don't worry about it. And he's like cutting a tree down. I'm like, I'm sorry you have to cut that tree down. I'm not really that bad, but but that's what my emotional internal- I'm paying him. You're paying him, right? I paid, okay, I paid everybody. <laughs> You're paying him. Don't be sorry. I know. It's like a little thing I'm working out with my therapist. They're trying to get, <laughs> trying to get <laughs> I just don't want to bother anybody. So I, that was a really long answer for uh, <laughs> what do I see next? But no, the building has been just such a, it's been such a, a catalyst for so many great, great things. And I want to keep that momentum going. And Berkey called me. Berkey's like, and some some other people have contacted me too, some fans. Hey, when you're ready for that big stained glass circle up there, you know, with the Maker Man cut out of stained glass bits, let us know. You know, we know exactly what, how to handle it. So wow. That, that would be fun to do. And I, I'm going to make yeah. the doors, and I've already checked in with JD. If he wants to come up and help me make the doors, JD Brewer, who's a, a welding fabricator down in Georgia, who I met through YouTube. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't have known him if it wasn't for YouTube. And me and JD are like old bros now. When we see each other, we're like like old friends, like we've known each other our whole lives. And so he's excited to come up and we're going to make the big giant swinging doors. And so, yeah, it's just it's just been a catalyst for so many good things. And I just want to try and keep that momentum going. And when it's open and going and I have the machine area set up and the woodworking set up and the printing presses set up, you know, I'm going to do a smattering of everything. I'm not going to do full on crowd the place because i want to keep it open a little bit if we want to do a big event um it's uh it's going to be great it's just going to be great and uh, i think the potential is there and uh the potential is there for much bigger things Hmm. that's sweet all right your turn me well you talked i'm going to ask uh bob i'm going to ask you a question you you just talked about a little bit with the, the the coding thing do you see yourself becoming a university teacher because I see you becoming a university teacher teaching a university course at a college no and you could teach marketing you could teach <laughs> all right Pachuto what do you think <laughs> no because you, you know right now right now you you basically have got, I mean we all have have gotten a PhD in marketing and making and you know in our own we all have mm-hmm. an honorary PhD in what we do and many other YouTubers, because we took in the plunge to just do this whole thing on our own. We figured it out. We figured out marketing. You know, before the thing started, we were excited to talk about our new brand deals that are going on. All things we never would have got if we didn't jump into the deep end of the pool and just I would, figure it out. I wouldn't say figured. I would say figuring. I'm still figuring. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, absolutely. I'm still working right. on it. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Bob, I was saying, uh, uh, do you see yourself only because I see you? You know, you, you're like. You're kind of at the pinnacle of all this uh, as far as the audience is concerned i think a, do you see yourself becoming a teacher either for high school or university i just wrote university as a question but because there is going to um, be a moment in time like you're going to do this lecture and there's going to be oh 
Bob did that lecture and went really well. Let's have him come in for, you know, you did a TEDx years ago. Uh, maybe, and then all of a sudden you're going to be like, you know, an honorary student at some university, an honorary <laughs> degree holder, and they're going to make you yeah. talk to everybody. Well, that's, I will. think those are different things. Like, so I did teach uh, at SCAD for a little while and <clears throat> I did enjoy it and I do enjoy teaching, but I think there's a couple things there. Like one, like you said, figuring instead of figured, right? I think part of why we're learning this stuff is because we're doing it in there's a big discussion, I think, in collegiate circles about whether the professors should be just professors or they should be working professionals that are also professors. Because I think the real world experience, especially in design and, and marketing and stuff, the real world experience is what matters there, not the mechanics of marketing from 20 years ago. Yeah. This, well, the School of Visual of Arts of is the School of Visual Arts. Their motto is working professionals teaching. So yeah. that's why the the See, the, the, uh, the chairperson just picks people that he likes and knows are doing a good job on their own and says, all right, teach that to my students. Yeah, I think that's the better way to do it. And because of that, I think teaching, um, just teaching would be, I think the longer you just teach and are not a working professional, the further you get from what is modern and what is current. And that's not good for the students over right. time. Well, right? that's why it works you, uh, for a couple that, of years. Well, with me, in my experience, I, I was always in and out. You know, like my if you look yeah. at my course over the years, I was only taught one day per week. I was constantly involving my real work just to show them good examples yeah. of life in action. Yeah, keeping those things going at the same time is big. I, but honestly, I mean, I think um, I don't know if I should tell this story or not. I'm going to tell a story. So uh, Josh, who works with me. Um, I, he won't mind me saying this, but he was, when he came on, he was going to work with me for just a little while and he was interviewing for other jobs. And one of them was at a university. And so he, we were hanging out in the shop one day and, um, I got a phone call from Destin from Smarter Every Day and we were talking and I said, Hey, yeah, Josh is here with me and he, it's working out really well, but he's got this interview at this college and he was like, let me talk to him. So he gets <laughs> So, so I just hand Josh the phone with Destin and Destin immediately lays into him. No, it was on speakerphone. That's what it was. He lays into him like, you're going to go take a teaching job. Like if you take a te teaching job, you're going to learn. It's going to be really interesting for the first semester. And you're going to come up with all this new stuff to teach these students. And then the next semester, you're going to teach them the same thing. And the next one, the same thing. The next one, the same thing. Because there, there's a curriculum that can evolve, obviously, but you teach a class, you teach classes that are the same to different sets of students. And so it's not a turnover. It's not an, a, 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 you know, kind of continuing education thing unless you make it that. And right now I have the opportunity to learn new stuff all the time and turn around, literally turn around from doing something, look at the camera and reteach what I just learned. Right. And so for me, that that fits with my personality better, but I think it's also more useful to a larger number of people than if I were to go to a classroom and talk to 30 people at a time and teach them the same thing multiple years in a row. So I love to teach. I love to talk to people. I love to speak in front of groups, but I don't think I would ever like settle into a, right on. you know, you know, that's a really good answer. I, I didn't expect you to say that. And it's, and you, you rationalize it. Perfect. Oh, I can rationalize all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Perfectly. <laughs> all right. Ready? David, get another one. Uh, yeah. So, Jimmy, if money was no object, what would you collect? Antique pickup trucks and giant antique machines and 
tractors and uh, heavy equipment, uh, power hammers, anvils. <laughs> what about these giant machine- <laughs> machines are you attracted to? Metal. Is it the design or Metal. is it the functionality of them? <clears throat> the the Well, it's funny. It's it, it's uh, it, me and Andrew from Blacksmith Tools go back and forth. Like I'll send him something and he'll just be like, nah. I'm like, what don't you like? It's like, nah, it's stamped metal. It's not cast. So the idea of like cast concrete, uh, cast cast iron and the way they used to make things. And like, I'll see like the housing on or like a, a casting of a big bandsaw, for instance. And compared to like nowadays you have, you, know, you have some really beautiful bandsaws like Lagunas and stuff. But when you see like a cast, con- I keep saying concrete, a cast, cast iron. concrete bandsaw? Dude, you just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. I'll let Matias make that one. A cast... <laughs> Uh, no, that's the John High's project because he has to prove that he can use anything. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, uh, a cast iron cast, a casting base for a tool. I just see that and I think to myself, they went through the trouble to make that so it would last forever. Like each one of these machines, to me, it's like a little Egyptian relic, or like an Egyptian pyramid that's like floating around the universe. It's like. Those things weren't meant to be mobile, but they basically made these things to last for like a printing press. These printing presses, that printing press sat in the rain for 30 years until I came along and brought it back to life. Now, you imagine an Epson printer sitting in the rain for 30 years (laughs) and then some geek, nostalgic geek nerd comes and finds it and goes, I'm going to make this work again. It would be impossible. It would be impossible. He'd have to go in a time machine and get all of it. He'd have to find the right cable. He'd have to find the right computer with the right program. And he'd have to put antique internet to download the right drivers. I mean, it's not impossible when people do it all the time. But by the time you do that, it's it's just mm-hmm. not – I don't see it as fun as getting a cool old piece of cast iron that was designed to never die and bring it back to life. And it really mm-hmm. never did die. It's just sitting and waiting. So that's the one thing that attracts me about all these machines is that they're all sitting and waiting. And it's almost like when you go to like a junkyard and you see a bunch of beautiful old cars and they're all like, it's almost like they're, it, this is kind of like a, this would be a funny scenario in a, in a Pixar movie. It's like all the cars just sitting there and you walk by and they're like, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> like which one is going to be brought back to life? Jimmy and, uh, the reanimator. <laughs> that's funny Ooh. so like like we drove we were driving out to the desert the other night and we drove past a, a junkyard and I, I wanted to jump off the exit and go look at the cars but we had a very so we had a time crunch but I love going through old junkyards and seeing the potential and stuff and just something about the way things used to be made compared to the way they're made now uh, it, I, I can you imagine someone bringing back a Tesla back to life in 25, 30, 40 years from now I think it would be impossible hmm. Hmm. But you can hop in a 1950s truck and go to the go to the local store and get everything you need to get it going again. So the idea of just the simple mechanics and the and the, the longevity of all these old machines, I guess that's what's attractive to me. Is just that I know that it's within reach. Like I said, if I if I if I can't deal with a computer, but I can certainly bring back a you know a power hammer that came to me in a box of bolts. You know, now I have the confidence too. I bought that machine just as a learning process to see if I can handle it. And, and that, that has given me a, a, a big boost in confidence to like look at anything and know, okay, I can get that going. You know, the revitalization of that, revitalization of the old printing press. I drove past the lathe, uh, this crazy old lathe. And 
it is a giant pile. I showed it to a couple of guys at the machining thing. And some of them are like, oh, great. Let's get it. Let's work on it. And other guys are like, you're crazy. This is a different lathe than the one that I showed. It's a totally different one. Um, it's sitting by the side of the highway within the vicinity of the other one. one. The one I showed years ago is 14 feet long. It's still sitting there. I think it's mine. I have to just go pick it up. And the, uh, this one I just saw is about 10 feet long. You know, they, they both weigh thousands of pounds. But the attractiveness of them. But, I mean, if you guys, if anybody knows uh, Keith Rucker's channel, he, he, re- he restores antique machines. And that's what his whole channel is about. He actually curates a museum. But that that shows antique machines, and I made friends at the, this event with a with a guy in Texas who runs an antique machine a museum, and that's a great story. I, I think I might fly down there just to go and do a story on him because it's about a guy. This this museum is about a a guy who was in World War II, got back from World War II, knew how to fly, so he flew all around the country finding antique machines in the 1940s and 1950s. So he found machines that were antiques then collected them all together until he died. And he was in the process of building a museum when he passed away and they left it to the town and somewhere near Taylor, Texas. And so that museum now is is there hmm. for people to come and see industrial equipment from that were antiques in the 1950s. Yeah. And, and so uh, I'm gonna maybe do some kind of collaboration with those guys there. So that just, it just excites me and uh, you know, like when you when I, I keep talking about Andrew Blacksmith, Andrew uh, Alexander Blacksmith Tools, he, he lives the fantasy that I would like to live, which is just driving around in a giant trailer and picking up cool old equipment and taking it back and restoring it and seeing it work. So if money was no object, I would probably do, I would collect antique machines and antique cars, mostly like industri- I mean, industrial co- equipment. But is there any reason you couldn't do that now? Space that, that and time. seems totally like something you could just like <laughs> oh, no. jump right into. Believe me. I, and I'm make mo- videos about it if you wanted to. And, <laughs> I'm you know. sliding into that. I definitely am sliding yeah. into that because, you know, I got more space now. I can go. I got, I'm looking at a different type of pickup truck I want to get, which is an antique pickup truck. And I've been looking. I've been looking for one. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'll pull the trigger on one probably before the fall, a new truck. Hmm. And it's just another thing to work on. I, I When I got that other truck last time, I thought it would be exciting to make videos about it. But it's not exciting to make videos about changing brake calipers and because it's kind of boring. Like There are channels that are dedicated to that. And I can't make changing a brake caliper interesting. I tried it. And, but <laughs> I can make aspects for the car. Like I'm going to make a new seat for my 69 Chevy. So doing the making the seat over with cow skin, I could make that interesting. But the car work itself is more about the passion of just owning it and getting it going and yeah. cleaning it up. Yeah. So yeah, I am moving in that direction. I mean, that that is where I'll go. Right now, money is an object, but you know, maybe next week it won't be. So. <laughs> All right, I got one for David. Okay. And and this is not this is not to say that you should have a regret. I'm not saying that. I'm just curious. Okay. With the new shop, mm-hmm. new setup, new kind of style that you put in for the new shop, the layout that you ended up, you know, you you did a lot of work there to get the shop. Do you have any regrets or anything that you look back now after having used it that you wish you had done differently? You wish I had set up differently things you plan on changing in the shop? Uh, I guess um, that's, it's a good question. There are things that money stopped me from doing. So I wish the ceiling was higher. My father-in-law says you're going to want at least a 10 foot ceiling, but it would have cost a lot more money to have the ceiling up higher because it was going to change the structure of the building. And then there would have been permits and all kinds of weird stuff. 
And so my ceilings are eight foot, one inches. So when I move around a four foot by eight foot sheet of plywood, if I'm not careful, I put, I puncture the ceiling and I've done this a couple of times now. And I knew this going in. And then the other thing, which is probably more of an issue than the ceiling is I wish I would have leveled the floor. So it's a garage. And so, um, the garage wasn't made properly. It's like when you pull a car into a garage and the snow melts, the snow is supposed to drip towards the front of the garage and out. Uh, and, and this garage, it does not, it's like a pitcher's mound and it goes to all sides. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a pretty steep pitcher's mound too. And so it, it makes the, the tables and all that stuff I have in there very difficult to make. And I have wedges underneath things to, to level things out. Um, but as far as that, I'm really, really happy with it. I, I had this vision and I executed that vision and I, it really is my dream shop. I, I don't have a space to do metalworking. I don't have a space to expand, but we all have our limits. And so if I want to do these things, I have to, I have to get creative. I have to do, um, what a lot of people have to do is just pull these, pull things out into the driveway and, and do it there. So, um, the issue with the, the whole driveway thing, like pulling tools out into the driveway is it's not very efficient. And so when we're trying to make videos, we're trying to be very efficient of our time. It's not, it is a hobby, but it's also not a hobby and time is very right. important when yeah. we're doing these things. And so, um, maybe if, if there's, there's a lot of money in my future, um, maybe there's room in our, in our lot to expand to make the building bigger so maybe that's a possibility but i really in the next decade or two i don't see that happening because there's there's we have a beautiful um it's not like a little mini forest in the back it's like it's a woods like there's trees like we would have to remove all these trees and that's not something we want to do now so uh, i'm very happy with what i have and i'm very fortunate with what i have too i'm believe me i'm very grateful for the position that I'm in. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, cause I know you ran some electrical like down the middle of the room and stuff like that. Yeah. And you were really thoughtful about how you laid out everything. Do you feel like the space is still flexible enough that it can evolve yep. with you and like you can continue to change it over time yes. if you need to? Yes. And, uh, so a couple of things that, um, uh, the, the electrical is, is, is crazy. Like there's so much electrical along, along the wall. And then there's two spots on the floor. So there's, uh, lots of, there's lots of room for adding machines. And a couple of things that I'm doing is a couple of years ago, I gave my scroll saw away to Brian Prusa cause I never used it. And he helped me with some things. And now I'm thinking about getting a scroll saw again, because I when I say hey I'm doing this on a CNC you could also do this on a scroll saw I want to be able to show that you can do it on a scroll saw too so I'm bringing that back in and I'm bringing a couple other tools like a biscuit joiner back into the shop just so I can show people there are multiple ways of doing things and there's room there's room for me to add these 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 tools and so it's 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 a very flexible spot I think sweet yeah awesome Jimmy you're up. 
Uh, what? Are we still but, recording? But, uh, are, we, are we going yet? Pachudo, uh, do you have any plans of making music video or videos or a channel of you guys making music mm. in a video? I, I really, really, really want to. I, so as I'm, as I'm writing these new songs this year, I'm thinking I also want to make a music video for them on a separate channel. But I also, in addition to that, I also want to make a kind of a making of like, how did this song come about? I am inspired by Rob Scallon and Andrew Wong on how they make their music videos and their explanation. And I know that I won't be able to execute that on their level because they have years of experience and they're really, really good at what they do. But um, there's a part of me that wants to show, like a lot of my music, I, I've, I have two loves. I have a love for like a garage rock type sound, um, like a Rolling, and a Rolling Stones type sound. And then I have a love for electronic music. And I think there is this... Um, people just think electronic music is you do it on the computer and it does all the work and it's really, there's no creativity involved. And I kind of want to show that there is a little bit of creativity involved and uh, there is a hole behind the the scenes on, on, on and a process and how this stuff is made. So um, that, you know what, that's going to change my, uh, my pick of the week. Just, just based on mm-hmm. that question. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I have plans for it. If I ever execute that, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. If or when? When you execute it. Uh, when I, I will. <laughs> How about that? How about I'll commit <laughs> to it right now? Thank you. Well, there you go. Great. <clears throat> All right. We're almost an hour in. Do we have one more round of questions or do we want to cut it off for this week? Mm. I got a good one for Jimmy that I came up with that I kind of want to ask him. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go one more round. Lightning round. Okay. All right. Do you have one first? Me? Yeah. Are you next? Who's next? Oh, um, next? uh, yes, I do. I do. So, um, shoot, Jimmy or Bob? Jimmy or Bob? Jimmy from Idea. Yes. From idea to making to launching the video, which step along the creative process would you like to remove? <laughs> making the video. <laughs> of course. No, that's it's, not, it's that's not the fun part? <laughs> well, I like unpacking the material and problem solving it into an interesting, coherent thing. But lately, I've just gotten, like you've noticed, I haven't put up a lot of videos. But it's been really because I'm just like, I'm halfway through like seven edits. And some of the material is not finished yet. Some of the, the product, product I'm working on is not finished yet. And some of it is just like, I know the material is sitting there and I got to kind of drudge through it and try and make it cohesive. Like, ah. uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, been a little, it's been a little wearing on me, the editing part. Only because hmm. like that happens at the end of the day and me and Taylor both doing our thing all day long and it's like the end of the day, like it's a time to hang out and like I got to kind of split my time between her and like wait till she dozes off and then I run to the edit. And so I still haven't figured out like a great workflow and it's been seven years. I still haven't figured out a great workflow. <laughs> I basically just wait till Taylor goes to sleep and all the animals are asleep and that's my kids. And I sit at the computer and I edit till three or four in the morning and then I go to sleep and I wake up with everybody else. So that's why I'm always tired. The kid, everyone's like, Oh, you look tired. Are you okay? You work too hard. But 
I'm tired. I look tired because I am tired because I never sleep. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, it's just it's just difficult to to manage time. But I do it, and and it happens. And I I do enjoy it when I put together a cool edit. I'm like, that's cool. It's very it really satisfying. Is satisfying. Yeah. But the the best part is like coming up with ideas. I'll show you guys. My you guys will dig this. I did a plane dump. I did a. I, I did a, an idea dump on the plane. Oh yeah. So, ooh, these That's are awesome. all the ideas that have been floating. And then I did some sketches because I didn't feel like getting my notebook out. So, but check out this idea. I, I want to show you guys. This is I'm going to do a pencil sharpening video. But uh, don't show my mechanism. Don't tell my mechanism. Mm-hmm. My mechanism is I'm gonna I'm gonna do that to the thing, and then the thing is gonna go into the thing and. <laughs> Oh, you thing. see, you see what I'm saying? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. customize the thing so the thing goes like this, so the thing always has that thing to it. So <laughs> that's like, I'm so excited. Such a dumb idea that I saw that I came up with that sitting on the plane. I'm like, oh my god, like I want to jump off the plane right now and go to the shop and make that. You know, I to be honest, the well, pencil sharpening industry needs a shakeup. Yeah, it's this been, is, this it's is, been the same because, for decades. Well, I'm taking a very, very different approach to it. I know. I think Jocko used like a, a gas-powered motor to sharpen a pencil, and <laughs> mm-hmm. this this I'm going completely old school. Like if you found my pencil sharpener in the dirt in a hundred years, you'd pick it up and go, "Oh, I know exactly what to do with this." <laughs> so. Nice, amazing. So no, I, I just I love coming up with ideas, and like I had so many moments. Like if you guys look at this, like look, a lot of these are ideas that I just have written down in seventeen other notebooks, but. Maybe 20% of these are brand new ideas I thought of because one idea begat a new idea, which is completely different. So I don't know. I'm showing you guys a list. It's probably 30 ideas there, maybe 35, 40 ideas. And, but I can't wait to jump in the shop and do them. But I also have to edit the old ones first. So Nice. All right. So I got one more for Jimmy. <clears throat> and you got to answer this really quickly. Yeah. You can't think about this too long. Okay. Uh, yeah. You've talked about Je- Jesse James a lot yeah. and how much you respect his fabrication skills and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready? You ready? All right, so imagine you get stuck in a shop with him for one day. You get to do a one-day build with him. You guys don't have time to think about it. You just right. got to build something. What is it? Uh, he's going to teach me how to set the neck and frame of a motorcycle and how to do the framework and how to position the engine versus the rear. So he's going to give me the the specs on how the rake of the neck goes and what exactly is the, the proper degree. He does these really long raked bikes. I like more like a, uh, uh, an Indian Larry, kind of a snubby Indian Larry and uh, uh, type of motorcycle. So I, I'm going to ask his, uh, I'm going to ask him to teach me how to set up a frame for building a motorcycle. Nice. That's it. And I actually, I met somebody shorter, that knew shorter him. Shorter answer than I expected. Yeah, no, I knew, I, I, I met somebody over the weekend at this event that knows him personally. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm ever going to meet him. I doubt it. But that's one more person in my life. So now there's, there's three people in my life that I'm one person between Jesse James. This person knows him personally. This person knows him personally. This person knows him personally. <laughs> and I'm very close friends with those three people. So it'll be a matter of time before he and I at least shake hands somewhere along the way. But, I saw him in Savannah one time. Yeah. So. You know, there's that. Yeah, I, never, I, never did, I never did see him personally. I never, I never saw him. I never like got to witness him. But you know, uh, he's got a very, he's got a very uh, tumultuous reputation. Some people say he's a 
a total non-fun person, and some people say he's great. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, do you have one last question for one of us? Uh, yeah, I got one for you. Okay. What is it? Do you encourage? Would you encourage? Would you condone each one of your children having their own YouTube channel? Ooh. Um. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um. Yes, I feel like we've talked about this before. Yes, I would condone it. I wouldn't encourage it unless you know if they brought it up. I would want to support them in it, but I wouldn't like try to push them towards doing that. Uh, without it being their idea. And you know, it's one um, thing that I think is one thing that's, uh, I wonder if kids of your generation in the environment they're growing up in with you as dad, YouTube star, would they see your job as like a job that's like, oh, that's for old people. Mm-hmm. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. your kids are so young compared to somebody that sees what we're doing that is in their late teens, they'd be like, oh man, I'm doing that. But considering the generation <laughs> gap between us and children of, you know, 10, 12 years old and younger, would they consider what we're doing? Like, uh, you know, they're going to be on something completely different. Right. And well, I mean, I don't know what it'll be like in a few years. They may get to that point. But right now they're like, my daughter has several times said like, oh, I'd like to start a YouTube channel with her friend. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, oh, let's, let's do, let's cook and do a channel about that. And I'm like, yeah, go pretend that you're not actually going to do that. (laughs) You know, you're way too young. But anyway, I, I think I would like support them if they wanted to st- to have a channel. I would also keep them in a very separated, give them a very separated access to it. They There's no reason a teenager even should see the comments on their own YouTube videos. Oh, man. That's right. unhealthy for teenagers. That's mm-hmm. not good for people. Right. It's not good for us. <laughs> it's not good for a teenager. It's not good for a child. Right. So they don't need that. For sure. If they want to create something and put it out there and let me filter the feedback to make sure right. that they're being encouraged in the right ways, maybe, you right. know. Um, so there's a there's a, a girl that does, her name's Allie, and you may have seen her through Make Stuff and through Twitter. Um, and she, she does robotics and electronics and stuff. And I feel like she's maybe 12, 13 years old, but she's been doing it since she was like seven or eight. And the thing I I don't know much about her, but I know that she teaches electronics, and she does uh, she does a lot of stuff for kids in a way that they can understand. And her mom, I believe, is the one that handles all is the filter is the face for all of her social media. Right. And so she gets to decide what makes it to this girl and what the girl gets to respond back to. And I think as a parent, that's a pretty good place to be. You know, you're still letting them have access to social media through a filter and through a, a kind of guided experience, which I think is really good, you know, for them. Uh, rather than you can't have this at all, that's probably not good. That's not future proofing someone. Or you have full access, that's dangerous for them as well in a different set of ways. So I think if they're interested, I would probably want to be the gateway for a considerably long time. Um, not to control it, but to be able to make sure that they're getting and giving the right stuff there. Right. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good comments. Yeah. Cool. Well, if we have any other questions, we can save it for next time, I guess. Yep. Because we're like one ten in. Yeah. All right. What have you been watching? All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, while uh, I figure it out, why don't you yeah. do the uh, the thank yous? Oh yeah. 
we should definitely do that. Uh, Patreon is awesome. And all the people that support us on Patreon are awesome. So I want to say a special thanks to the top supporters, which are Wise Old Dow, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Malton Make, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Dora Shareer, Chad from Mancrafting, and Make, Build, Modify. Um, and one thing I was noticing this week, and this is not a, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but we haven't had any new patrons in quite a while. That's, you know, whatever. The thing that's really cool is that those people and the people, most of the people on Patreon have been supporting us for a while and they continue to do, do so. And that means a ton. So grateful for all of them and anybody that helps us out, uh, no matter what level it we're, we're grateful for it. And anybody that does uh, support us on Patreon gets access to the after show, which is more talking from us, often secret things. In fact, I'm going to tell about a thing that I'm going to work on in a couple weeks in the after show today. So if you want to hear that or support us or both, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. Or don't. Or don't. Mm-hmm. That's cool too. Mm-hmm. Or don't. Yeah. All right, I'm going to uh, I'm going to promote Dale Derry. Because Dale was the host of this weekend's events, and Dale's a great guy. We we met last year, and we immediately just hit it off as friends. And through over the year, we've texted back and forth a little bit here and there, and you know, trading advice. Uh, Dale has a channel called Build Something Cool, formerly known as Metal Tips and Tricks. So if you Google Metal Tips and Tricks, you'll find it or Build Something Cool. And Dale is a fabricator, YouTuber. He's been at it for a while, and he is got some really good insight. And he happens to be a very nice guy. So if you kind of pinged him with a question or two, he'd be right back at you. He's a really community-oriented, minded, nice, loving guy. So check out Dale. We had a great, great uh, weekend hanging out with him as the host of the events. Cool. Bob, I'm going to send it your way. I'm still looking for this channel. Sure. Um, So we've talked about this before, but um, I haven't watched a lot of their videos lately and then I started watching them again make it extreme <laughs> so <laughs> channel is just nutso these guys or guy I don't really understand how many people there are there it's like jet stuff. propulsion laboratories makes a YouTube channel <laughs> they're they're crazy and the the it the way they make the videos it feels like they're just kind of like oh I'm just gonna make it this you know we're gonna weld this thing together and then it's very casual but the amount of knowledge there is unbelievable yeah Exactly. When you look at like the finished product, you're like, man, they really had to think through that and machine things in the right way and prepare things in the right way to get stuff working. And all the projects are just, there's something really awesome about each one of them. A couple weeks ago, they did a mono wheel and I was excited and bummed at the same time because that has been on my list for like a year and a half. And I don't know when I will ever get to building one, but that's what I was like. I've never seen anybody build this. I want to make one of those and I want to make it pedal power first. And then I want to take, you know, make it so you can swap that out and put in a, an engine. And then they did it and they did it really well. So I don't know if I'll ever do that. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, this morning I was on the treadmill and I watch YouTube when I'm on the treadmill, all the kids ended up in my room on the bed. And so I put on uh, Make It Extreme, and they made a net launcher to take down a drone. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And this. the whole time, and the kids didn't see where the thumbnail was. And so they came into it, and they were like, what are they making? Is it a jetpack? What, what is that? And I just, like, wouldn't tell them. I'm like, just watch. And they sat there and watched the entire thing, and were trying to figure out the whole time. And the thing I realized in the moment was these kids are actually 
interested in something that they don't they don't really understand what they're seeing yet, but they were watching welding, machining, uh, some air tool, you know, piping and stuff. They were watching a bunch of things that they don't really get exposed to in my videos necessarily. And they were totally into it and they were waiting to see where it led and what it became. And yeah. then when they saw it, they were just like, oh, I took down a drone with a net. Oh. <laughs> so it was really cool. Oh. So anyway, go check out Made Extreme. Nice. Right Mine is from a channel called Fact Magazine and they have a playlist called Against the Clock. And I realized that I've talked about this before on the show, um, but we're going to talk about it again, which is they take uh, different hip hop artists producers and different electronic music producers and they give them 10 minutes and they have to come up with a song and uh, you know a lot of them Mm -hmm. aren't um doesn't come out like it's not the most amazing thing you've ever heard but it's cool to see the process and there's a huge playlist there's like 158 of these and everybody has a different approach to making music and i just i just find it really fascinating to see somebody else make music because uh it's just it's so cool to see like somebody start with a with a harp and they play a, a couple notes on a harp and then they sample that and then they bring that into the computer and then they add a drum machine and it's it's really really cool. Sweet, yeah. I'll have to check that out. I don't I I remember you mentioning that, but I don't think I ever watched it. We talked about this recently where David every week it's like hey, I found this really cool thing you've never seen before and I'm like sweet that sounds awesome I hit subscribe and then I never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to get better about that. Cool. Well, you guys got anything else? That's it. For the not, non-after it. show? Right. Oh, after Thanks, show. Good everybody. stuff. Yeah. Thank you. After Thank show. You. Yeah. Love you. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs> Let's blow everybody a kiss. <laughs>